This year, we're taking control of our health, and a simple way to do so is by taking the initiative to order your own blood work. Did you know that according to research published in the National Institute of Health database, that about 42% of the U.S. population is vitamin D deficient? Unfortunately, many of us aren't routinely checked for deficiencies during any of our checkups, and our insurance companies make it super difficult to get assessed for certain things. That's why I'm so happy to partner with Let's Get Checked. Let's Get Checked makes professional health testing easy and provides more autonomy by letting you get tested without having to visit a healthcare provider. From hormonal health panels to STI tests to micronutrient levels, vitamin D levels, cortisol tests, thyroid tests, and so much more, let's put your health back into your own hands. You can order a testing kit that will be delivered to you in discreet packaging, and once your sample arrives in the lab, confidential results will be available from your secure online portal within two to five days. These results are reviewed by a clinician, and a member of the Let's Get Checked nursing team may call you to review your results. Let's Get Checked laboratories are CLIA-approved and CAP-accredited, which are the highest-ranking levels of accreditation. So if you want to feel more empowered in your health and wellness and get tested at home, visit trylgc.com slash bewellsys and get 25% off your test using code bewellsys. Again, visit trylgc.com slash bewellsys for 25% off of your testing. Too often, Black women are a mere afterthought in conversations around wellness, but not in this space. On this podcast, the dialogue is always centered around women like you. Welcome to the podcast, but more importantly, welcome to the tribe. Be well, sis. Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Be Well, Sis podcast. I am your host, Dr. Cassandra Dunbar. How are you doing, sis? How is life treating you? But more importantly, how have you been treating yourself? Me, I have been, uh, I have been, listen, the last weekend was uh, daylight savings time. I'm like, we lost an hour and I have been on the struggle bus ever since. Like, I don't understand how one hour has just rocked my world the way it has. I have been all of Sunday. I had basically been in and out of sleep the whole day. And then Monday, yesterday, I um, was just dragging. I had two classes to teach and papers to grade and I was struggling anyway that is it about me I hope that you are doing way better than me and that you are not struggling with this one hour time difference I really want us to get to a point as a society where we just take a time and stick with it this going back and forth is just anyway I digress (laughs) Before we hop into today's topic, I do want to remind you and ask you politely to leave a five-star rating and a review on whatever app you are listening on, Um, especially on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. I am unable to see most of the other ones, but they do matter. I've been trying to get on like... um, the other apps and I will I will get to them and I will definitely um, read and um, go through all of those as well if you have any suggestions for so show topics or people that I should feature here please of course leave your suggestions I want to make content that you are interested in also if you are not following along on social media on Instagram I am at or we are at bewellsis underscore podcast so please join the tribe follow along um send dms comments 
all those good things, I definitely engage. If you comment, I definitely respond to you. If you send me a DM about anything, questions, comments, concerns, I'm always responsive. So please, let's be friends in real life. Um, I'm also on Twitter, kind of, sort of. I'm trying to get there. I'm there, but like, I'm more of a lurker. But if you tag me in anything, if you follow, of course, I will always engage. Um, so yeah, so let's go ahead and hop into today's conversation. So today we'll be talking about a topic that is very close to my heart, which is neurodivergence. And for those of you who may not be familiar with the term, neurodivergence refers to the natural variations in the human brain development, such as autism, ADHD, dyslexia, and more. And while many people might assume that these conditions have are only diagnosed in childhood, what we're seeing now is that more and more adults are being diagnosed with neurodivergence every single year. And you might ask yourself, like, why is that? Well, for starters, there has been a lot of progress in the field of neuroscience, and in recent years, it's really helped us to better understand the brain and its many variations. Additionally, as more people become more self-aware and more aware of what neurodivergence is, they're seeking out diagnoses and treatment for themselves as well as for their loved ones, regardless of the age. So let's get a little bit personal here for a moment. I have a strong suspicion that I have ADHD. And if you know me in real life, you wouldn't think that I fit the typical mold because I'm generally introverted and pretty quiet around new people. However, the more I learn about it and how it presents in women specifically, I strongly believe that I have ADHD and a lot of the things that I thought were just quirks about me are actually symptoms of ADHD. The more that I have researched and investigated, what does ADHD look like in women? So uh, for example, there are some social deficits that um, some who have ADHD, a proper diagnosis with ADHD have. Um, so compared, according to an article that I'm reading that will be linked be below, it says that women with ADHD compared to men with ADHD struggle more with socialization. Women are often overwhelmed with the demands of relationships and tend to have fewer meaningful relationships as a result. They rarely initiate friendships and have trouble maintaining them. Isolation protects from discomfort and confusion. They often struggle with rejection sensitivity, which is an intense emotional response to real or perceived rejection, which can make social interaction a potential source of pain. Listen, if you know me intimately, this is me. Um, I have a handful of really close friends and those people have sought me out as a friend. I am terrible at making friends. And in recent years, I have been not so great at maintaining friends either. Part of it is because of the busyness of life. Part of it is because I'm overwhelmed. And the other pieces, I think I, I struggle with the rejection sensitivity. So I am constantly trying to... Um, defend myself or protect myself from what I think are perceived threats of being rejected in some way or another. The other thing is that there are hypersensitivities in women with ADHD. So the article continues to say that women with ADHD tend to experience more central nervous system hypersensitivities compared to men with ADHD. They often report more of the following. So the first one is tactile defensiveness and sensory overload, which can be to being touched, and to common items like clothing material, tags, loud music, lights, smells, etc. If you know me, you know that I do not like 
loud noises. I may be fine on the outside, like you don't you think I'm I'm chilling, but on the inside I'm absolutely having a meltdown. I can't do loud noises in loud places. <laughs> um, they continue to say that there are somatic complaints, including headaches, migraines, stomach aches, and nausea. Again, if you know me, my stomach is a constant issue. Like my GI is just always just in knots. Um, yeah, it, it's always a problem. Um, the article also states that um, there are comorbidities that come with women with ADHD. For example, they say that by adulthood, most women with ADHD have at least one comorbid disorder that can complicate the ADHD symptom picture, which includes anxiety. 25 to 40 percent of people with ADHD have an anxiety disorder. Ding, 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 ding. So do I. Um, mood disorders as well as sleep difficulties. Again, ding, 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 ding. So do I. But you know what? I'm not going to speculate. I'm really going to spend some time and speaking about this not only with my therapist, but also speaking about this with my healthcare provider. And if you are also thinking that you possibly also have ADHD or any other um, medical concern, please do not just rely on your own um, your own research. Please reach out to the professionals and you guys can work together to collaboratively um, figure out what's going on with you and to help you um, get better, so to help you come to a diagnosis and treatment that's appropriate for you. So with that said, I am ecstatic to share today's conversation with you. It is featuring Taylor Elise Morrison. She is a fabulous woman who turned being bad at self-care and being firmly convinced of every human's potential into career. She is the founder of a media company called Inner Workout and the author of a book by the same name. And she is so tired of aspirational wellness that she speaks to this in her book and offers a practical and accessible approach to self-care that meets you where you're at. I love that. Um, She has a take care assessment, which measures well-being across five different dimensions that has been taken by thousands of people across the globe. Taylor's mission is not to change who you are, but rather to strengthen your connection to the wisdom you already have within, which is so beautiful. I have linked the Take Care Assessment down below. It is free for you to take, and it really helps you to get a better idea of what your actual needs are instead of throwing a one-size-fits-all approach to wellness. So we talk about um, self-care, community care, and um, being diagnosed with ADHD and neurodivergence in adulthood. So she has made it her superpower and she shares some tools on how if you are in a similar space, you can make it your superpower as well. As always, thank you so, so much for joining. I am so, so glad you're here. Be well, sis. You know what I used to struggle with? Eating a diet that's nutrient-dense enough for me to get all of my dietary needs met through what I eat alone. I am no longer a passenger on that struggle bus because one tasty scoop of Athletic Greens contains 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food source ingredients, including a multivitamin, multimineral, 
probiotic, green superfood blend, and more that all work together to fill the nutritional gaps in my diet, increase my energy and focus, aid with digestion, and supports a healthy immune system, all without the need to take multiple products or pills, because baby, I can't do it. And it's lifestyle friendly. Whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free, it just fits. And right now, Athletic Greens is doubling down on supporting your immune system during these times, and they're offering my audience a free year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase if you visit my link today. So you'll basically never have to buy vitamin D again. <laughs> to redeem your offer, simply visit athleticgreens.com slash bewellsis. Again, to redeem your offer of one year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs, visit athleticgreens.com slash bewellsis. Okay, so today we have a Taylor Elise Morrison on with us. She is an entrepreneur, she is an author, and I'm just super excited to go ahead and hop into this conversation with her. How are you, Taylor? I'm doing well. It has been, we were talking about this before we started recording, but it's been, for me too, there's just a lot going on. So it's one of those days where I'm like, oh, we're here. We're recording this almost at the end of the day, and it's like, oh, yeah, that happened. Right, right. Um, I feel like there's always something going on. I feel like for a little while, um, like in the very beginning of the pandemic, I really appreciated the pause. And I thought that we would never get back to the way things were, like the fast pace of life. And I feel like these past few months, past few weeks have been like, pre-pandemic times and I'm not for it I, I like the slowdown that we had the I thought it was a reset but I guess not <laughs> I hadn't thought about that but you're totally right like this is almost exactly two years three years three yes. years and it's like yeah I am kind of getting back to some of the old normal that I thought I was over Mm-hmm. for sure um yeah for sure um, so I'm especially excited to talk to you today um, about neurodivergence, specifically ADHD, and being diagnosed um, in adulthood. So before we even touch on that, I would love to hear your um, your story as to how you came into um, entrepreneurship and and how, what led you to where you are today. Yeah, and it's so funny because I used to tell this story, and now having this added layer of and I have ADHD, it's like, oh, this makes a lot of sense. So I studied human and organizational development and had a focus in leadership. And I chose it because it was the broadest major. I was like, I don't know exactly what I want to do, but I know that I'm interested in how people work. I'm interested in how people work together. And I want something that I could have a lot of options with. So already it's like, huh, maybe ADHD. Then I started my career in a leadership development program where you move through different parts of an organization, again, because I wanted something where I had options, I could try different things out. And I realized relatively quickly that the corporate life wasn't for me. So I left, I joined a startup as their first full-time employee, and it was so engaging honestly pretty overwhelming because I was working this full-time job. I also had a side hustle. I was doing brand strategy with clients. I also was getting married and trying to have a social life. And I was volunteering for two nonprofits, just a few things going on. 
How? <laughs> I don't know. I look back at that past version of me. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know how I did that. And what happened is that I kept getting burned out. And I would like practice self-care the way I thought I was supposed to practice self-care back then. And I would maybe take an afternoon off or get a massage. And then a day, a week, a month later, I'd get back to this place of burnout and overwhelm. And I realized that it it wasn't just about me like going to do the treat yourself kind of self-care. It was there are some structures that I need to change in my life to support my well-being all of the time. And that's when I started working with this definition of self-care that I use now and is in my book and was the foundation of the company, is that self-care, I think of it as listening within and responding in the most loving way possible. And all of this work that I do now, uh, running the company called Inner Workout, launching this book also called Inner Workout, stems from me being bad at self-care, me burning myself out all the time, trying to figure out what worked for me. And then I am so fortunate that I got to turn it into a career and help other people do the same. Oh, that's incredible. That's so beautiful. Um, What your story resonated a lot with me because I feel like we have all been taught to do self-care in that way. Like, oh, you're feeling like you're burning at all ends and like you are burnt out. So let's just put a pause for today and we'll, I don't know, have a girl's night or get a mani-pedi, go have a spa day just to jump right into the same cycle. So we never actually treat the burnout or fall out of the cycle of burnout for sure and I think part of it is because we're not taught how to really care for ourselves and we're not taught to really listen to ourselves so in terms of listening to the voice inside was that something that you had to learn how to hear your own voice or like through therapy or or anything or you just like how did you come to to being able to hear yourself Yeah, it makes perfect sense. I think it was kind of twofold. One was dialing down the voices around me that were telling me this is what you're supposed to look like. This is how you're supposed to practice self-care. These are all the things that you're supposed to have on your plate to be successful. And then the other thing was turning up the volume on my inner voice. And that took time because even something as simple as there was a time when I was doing inner work on like going to the bathroom when I realized I need to go to the bathroom. And that sounds so simple, but I bet there's a lot of people listening who are like, oh, I have to pee. Let me send this one email and then I can do it. And it's like, no, our our body is telling us we need to do something. Let's honor that. So it was stuff like that, like learning this is how my body is speaking to me or this is how my inner work or my inner voice is speaking to me, let me respond to it with love. And Mm -hmm. yeah, we're just not taught how to do that. Truly, truly. One of the things that I've learned in therapy recently, like in the last year or so, um, was to ask myself, what do I need right now? And that made me think about the going to the bathroom piece. I'm the type that I will hold my bladder for a straight eight hours. Then when I get home, then it's like rush to the bathroom. And that's horrible. And that's just like a, like to your point, like a really simple and a simple way that we just don't listen to ourselves and don't listen to to the voice inside for something so little. Um, So talk to me more about um, the inner workout, um, your, your company. 
Yeah. So like I said, it it started from this place of me realizing that I was bad at self-care and just doing my own work to listen within, to respond with love and talking about it and hearing people say, wait, I'm having trouble listening within. This is something that I'm struggling with, too, and starting to build frameworks and perspectives on that. And so now I say that my job is like developing leaders who care. I really believe that everyone's a leader because I believe everyone's their own best expert. And sometimes I'm doing work with students. I am leading this workshop called Body Talk with the nonprofit I work with. And it's helping students learn how their body talks to them and how they talk to their bodies. Sometimes I'm working with leaders and organizations and helping them develop mindful leadership skills. And then also talking to the masses through through my book, through workshops that I lead every month, and really my goal is to reconnect people to their inner wisdom so that they can know that they can care for and they can become the fullest expression of themselves. Oh, I, I love that. That's beautiful. I think we all could use that for sure. Um, so listening to your journey uh, and you are really busy working for a startup, you were volunteering, you were planning a wedding, um, you had a lot of things on your plate. From my perspective, you sound like somebody who was pretty successful, right? So when I think about somebody who has ADHD, I think the stereotype that I have in my mind is somebody who's like scattered and all over the place and, and not actually achieving things you, you've achieved. So what led you to um, to being diagnosed or what led you to you know asking some questions about whether or not maybe you do have ADHD or, or another form of neurodivergence? Yeah, it was a journey because I thought the same thing as you. I thought that it meant, like, having ADHD meant that you were lazy or distracted all the time or couldn't get things done. And it's just that our our brains work differently. So what happened is I heard people talking about having ADHD and then being kind of like, oh, but I, I do that too. So, huh, let me file that away. And then... The culmination, and I did that for several months, just noticing, like, I was working with a client who had ADHD. My my niece has, so my type of ADHD is inattentive. I have some hyperactive things that I do, but it's a lot of being distracted, going in different directions. And my niece has ADHD. She has more of a hyperactive. So I noticed things that she do, but think like, oh, that's not, that's really not me. And it culminated when I had a moment last summer after I had finished writing the book and was in the process of doing some edits and doing my, my other normal quote unquote work. And I was like, I have to have a certain amount of things going on in order to continue to feel stimulated in my life. Like sometimes with ADHD, people will talk about it in a micro level where it's like, I need to have this music on and I need to have this thing going so I can be concentrated enough to do this thing that I don't like doing. But for me, it's like I almost do that in my career. I've always had a portfolio career and I I need the right balance of projects that stimulate my brain in different ways. Otherwise, I'm just bored. I literally was just talking about my about this with my coach today where she reflects back to me like it seems like you might be bored this is an amazing idea but do you need to build out this whole thing or are you just bored or something in your life is hard and so you're going to build this new thing that's how I respond so I reached out 
got diagnosed and it's just been this whole reframing now where I'm looking at everything. I'm 30. Well, I was 29 when I found out I'm 30 now. And I'm looking at like everything in my life through the lens of, oh, you're a neurodivergent person. Mm -hmm. Some of those things weren't just personality quirks. It's because your brain works differently. Mm -hmm. So in learning this information about yourself, how do you approach work or even just your life in general differently with the information now? Um, Yeah. So it's funny because I basically built my life as a giant coping mechanism for the ADHD that I didn't know that I have. So in certain ways, like in my career, allowing myself to be stimulated in different ways and even the work I do of facilitating and writing and speaking and doing things where I get to be engaged with other people. And it's never quite the same. Like, even if I'm leading the same workshop, the people are different or the environment is different. There's something different enough that it makes it stimulating for me. So that's something that I just lean into. And I'm like, oh, that that's something I need now. Um, I had a while when I first got diagnosed where I just, like, gave myself over to the ADHD. And I was like, mm-hmm. this is how my brain works. Like, I don't need to try structure anymore. I don't need to try any of these things. And now I'm coming back to, which is funny, where I started, the way that I approach self-care is, again, listening within and responding with love. And it's this balance of having structure and having flexibility. And so that's really what I've tried to cultivate in my life the most is structure, which often means getting really clear on definitions. What does self-care mean to me? What does success mean to me? Why am I doing this task? And then how can I create a sandbox for myself so that I can get that get to that same end goal, but I might do it differently? Another like funny thing looking back now, one of my favorite quotes, it's been one of my favorite quotes since college, is be stubborn about your goals and be flexible with your methods. And like, that's my ADHD anthem. I know where I'm going. I know what I want. And I allow myself to get there different ways, depending on what I need that day, depending on the level of stimulation I need, depending on the amount of energy that I have. Mm -hmm. Ooh, that is so good. It sounds like you have really nailed down like life design, like you are truly designing your life. What I find in when I like reflect on myself and when I just talk to like my girlfriends who might be like in a rough spot or frustrated with where they are, I think part of the frustration that a lot of us feel is that we really are not clear as to what we want. So like asking ourselves what does success look like, we're just not sure, you know, because we've been told what success is, but they might, that might not feel good or we may have achieved that success, but it still doesn't feel successful within us, right? Um, And then when it comes to the self-care piece as well, like what does self-care look like for us on a personal level? So I think all of the lessons that you learned about yourself um, as a neurodivergent person can be really helpful to people, whether they are neurotypical or neurodivergent. I think a lot of our, um, I think our stresses um, that we put on ourselves comes from not having clarity on those things that you just um, just outlined so beautifully. So yeah. to talk to me about the inner workout book. Um, so what is that about? Is it like going more in depth into this? Yeah. So 
at the beginning of the pandemic, and this is something that I don't even know if I can fully attribute to my ADHD or just to being a business owner, but like I am getting more and more comfortable with pivoting and changing. So inner workout that launched in September of 2019 is vastly different than the inner workout of today and that's good because it came out of listening to myself listening to my customers um it also came out of necessity because i launched it six months before the pandemic and i thought we were primarily going to be doing stuff in person and it was like oh that's not happening but i knew i wanted to support people it was this time where we couldn't be in person and people needed self-care more than ever so i created this assessment called the Take Care Assessment, and it measures your well-being across five dimensions, and it's free. You can take it on the website, and it gives you three recommended practices based on your results, so you get kind of like a, a, a printout that shows where you're at with each of the dimensions and the sub-dimensions, and then some practices for you to try, and I just loved that offering. I'm kind of an assessment junkie, so it was cool to create one myself. And the book is an extension of that. So if you've ever done like a strengths finder or a book like that where you take the assessment and then you can go and you can read more about your type, it's something similar. You take the assessment. It's also got some just some foundational things about how I think about self-care in the context of we live in a world that like actively works against our care. And so acknowledging the fact that there are some things that are our responsibility and there are bigger societal problems that need to be addressed as well. I never want to put too much emphasis on the individual without, while, while letting society just like get a pass because no, there's work to be done there too. And then the rest of the book is split into the five dimensions of well-being. And it's kind of a choose-your-own-adventure. You could, like, take your assessment. You could start and be like, I need to focus on aligned action. Let me go read that section and do some work there. Oh, beautiful. What I love about that um, type of book is that it doesn't just lay out the problem. Because I can't stand where it's like, okay, so here's your problem. Done. It's like, okay, here's my problem. So how do I fix it? Give me something to do. So I I really appreciate that. I'll definitely link that down below. I'm in the show notes. So it's an easy click for you you guys to go ahead and and purchase your own book as well. And I kind of want to circle back to um, how you don't, um, I'm paraphrasing, but you mentioned that self-care is not only about the individual. Um, I kind of want to talk a little bit about that, about how, um, one, that's one of my peeves um, in, I guess, the wellness space, um, how there's just too much emphasis on just the self. The self, yes, that comes first, um, but we really need to to care for each other. Community care is super important, and I think Western culture just does not honor that at all. Um, any thoughts there? Yeah, I... I talk about in the book how America is the most individualistic country in the world. And so, like you said, we're sold self-help, we're sold self-care, and not that those are inherently wrong, like my book is about self-care, and also we need each other. Going back to neurodivergence too, like some of the supports for neurodivergent people are like body doubling. I do that a lot where if I'm having trouble with a task, I I go on focus mate, I'll sign up to work with someone and I'll be like, hey, I'm doing this thing. 
we're going to work together for 25 minutes. And at the end, I will tell you whether or not I did that or something I've had to do, too, is get more comfortable asking for support. Like, hey, it is hard for me to remember that sometimes. One big thing was like, I I live in Chicago. I live in the city. We have street parking. Sometimes I would forget where I parked, especially on days where we would be in and out. Like I'm here for one meeting and then I'm back and then I'm leaving again. So I, I have to text my husband now. Hey, this is where we parked. And that's like an element of community care for him to support me in that. And I, I, I don't have to do it alone and feel mm-hmm. like you should just be able to remember where your car is parked because you know what? My brain isn't doing that. So what support do I need to get there? And I think it's especially true for folks whose brains work a little differently like me, but everyone could benefit from community care. Like we we need each other. And yes. while I believe that everyone is their own best expert, there is so much value in people who have seen you over time and can offer perspective or people Mm -hmm. who have different skill sets than you or people who have more energy than you do in a moment where it's just really difficult and I think we hinder our ability to practice self-care by pretending that we don't need community care I agree and and I think it's um, also because we're still out of practice and I think when we think about um, our lineage, so black people of the diaspora, not even just black people, I would say just um, brown and black people, I think we're very community-based, and it's super important for our well-beings, um, just in general. It's super, like, being siloed is never a, a good idea. For a time, it's fine, but to live your life by yourself and out of community you can read all the self-help books and do all the self-care, but you'll still be lacking, in my opinion. Um, so I appreciate all the things that you mentioned there. And what was the thing that you go to on online? Is it Focus Mate? Focus. It's called Focus Mate. You get a certain number of free sessions, either per week or per month. And then if you want unlimited, it's only five dollars a month, and it's so nice. Like sometimes I'll spend like hours in a day because you can do twenty-five. 50 or 75 minute sessions so when I'm doing something that I just like know I'm not going to be able to have the motivation to do it on my own I just hop on there it's great Mm, I'll also link that down below in the show notes that sounds great I might have to sign up myself for a couple of sessions um that is awesome so what else have you found that's been helpful for you um in your um in navigating life with ADHD and just yeah. making it your superpower. I think owning the fact that my brain does work a little bit differently. And again, finding that that balance between structure and flexibility. So getting really clear on like what needs to get done and what support do I need if it's focus mate, if it's telling my husband, etc. to get those baseline things done. But also like one of my superpowers is that I can hyper focus. When I am into something, I am into it and so when I feel a moment of hyper focus that's towards again being really clear about where I'm going what do I want then I allow like I give myself space to harness that and if there is stuff on my plate that like could get done next week or next month I'll clear it out so I can be like I'm in hyper focus mode let's go so it's that balance between again what needs to get done let me get that done And then how can I give myself space to play 
to focus on this thing that I'm obsessed with and know that like not everyone can do that. What's weird about ADHD is I can get distracted in the middle of a conversation, but then I can have these moments where I'm obsessed with something and I'm spending, my husband, even before we knew it was called ADHD, I had ADHD, which is funny, we've been together since high school. He used to call it hermit mode, where I would just be like <laughs> so into something and next thing you know, it's it's a weekend, I've built a website. Or it's a weekend and I could tell you everything about this topic. Or I built out a business model for a business that maybe eventually I decide not to build. Now I've gotten a lot better at harnessing the hyper-focus for work or for pleasure. But before, I used to just use that superpower all over the place, not always for good. (laughs) Now that you know that you have ADHD, is there anything that you wish your parents would have done or your caretakers would have done a little bit differently as you were growing up? Yeah, this is so hard because I think my suspicion, so it, a lot of the ADHD like research and the way that we talk about is about how it shows up in boys and it can manifest differently in girls. So mm-hmm. part of my experience of ADHD is rejection sensitivity um, and it show and emotional reactivity. So there were times when like I would do worse than I wanted to on a test or something would happen interpersonally and I would have these outsized emotional reactions and it just kind of got ridden off to like oh she's a girl girls are emotional or um oh she's in puberty yeah or she's a perfectionist that too and like those things are also true those things are also true but there was something deeper there and I don't even know that I can like fault my parents specifically but I I just want to give so much grace to that younger version of myself who naturally was putting a lot of pressure on herself I grew up in a predominantly white environment so I also had this layer of feeling like I was representing black people and so even if I was bored or disengaged like I remember being in class sometimes and being like I am so bored I want to die right now like it's so boring and I'm a smart person so I could do decently in school and that's that's why I didn't necessarily get diagnosed because I I wasn't doing poorly I could push through I was just often disengaged and so I don't know how I don't know what my parents could have done differently. They they said the right things. They always told me, like, it's about how hard you try. It's, it, it, there was just so much internal stuff going on that I didn't have the words to verbalize until I got older. Like, I didn't necessarily realize how much I was managing perceptions in grappling with this perfectionism until I got older. Do you feel that, because I've learned that people who have ADHD also, um, they also may um, have anxiety as well. Do you feel that you've had some anxiety that you've had to navigate as well? That was my first, like, of my mental health Mm -hmm. diagnoses. Mm -hmm. diagnoses. Um, Anxiety was first. So Mm -hmm. I've always been really anxious. Again, my parents would try to support me in that, but... I also, like, it would be, I would read a, a scary book I loved to read as a kid, one of the things I would hyper-focus on, or I would watch a scary movie, and it could be months that I would be, 
afraid and then I'd feel like I shouldn't be afraid or I shouldn't have this anxiety. And so I would just like hide it. But yeah, I've been anxious for as long as I can remember. Yeah, same. (laughs) Same, same. Um, So my question for you is to bring it back to um, present day. If somebody is listening to this conversation um, and they're like, maybe what are some things that somebody should, especially a woman, should look out for um, to possibly seek additional insight? So what are some things that, yeah. Yeah, I think the big things for me were there's all kinds of articles and things that you can read. I did some of the online assessments. So let me just tell what I did. So I Mm -hmm. did, I looked into it. I'd been thinking about it for a while. I started reading about it. I actually like made an appointment ASAP because my ADHD almost became a hyper-focus to the point that my mom was like, okay, we can't talk about this anymore because you were just like talking about it too much, Um, which is another thing that how ADHD can manifest like, Sometimes, especially when I'm not being aware, I can just like keep talking about something even though other people don't want to talk about it anymore. But it's like I'm just so into it. Um, So I talked to someone. I did a lot of assessments on my own. Like you can see ADHD in women, read about it. And then I talked to people in my life. Like I said, I've been with my husband for a long time, so he's seen me since senior year of high school. And I was like, have you seen these? So it's not just me projecting that I have ADHD. And I did the same with my parents. I went through a couple of different ones and was like, this is kind of what's coming up for me as I look at this. What do you think? Because one of the things that they're going to want to do when you're being diagnosed for ADHD is it's not like you're just distracted because you're a person who lives in a distractible world. It's like this has been a pattern of this showing up in different ways throughout your life. So that was a lot of what I did is like I came to all of my appointments with the person who diagnosed me with the psychiatrist that I was working with, with my therapist that I started working with, with like, these are the list of how I saw it showing up in childhood, in adolescence, in adulthood. So for women specifically, think about some of that interpersonal stuff. Like people with ADHD can be really chatty. Again, that gets written off as just women are chatty. Or being super emotionally... um, reactive I feel rejection as like it is a physical I feel like I got punched in the stomach I learned that not everyone feels like that all the time so reading up on some of those things that are not just the like oh I'm bouncing off the walls I am tapping my foot all the time but some of these other more subtle ones especially if you're a person who like did really well in school who made it through the traditional route, but may still have some ways that your brain works differently. And also, I'll say, I'm just one person. This is my experience. I also, my dad has, we're 90% sure he has ADHD. He's in his 60s. He's not interested in getting diagnosed. My sister and I, separate of each other, both came to my dad and said, we think we have ADHD. Like I said, my niece has it. So it, there's also some hereditary nature of it too. So if there are people in your family who have ADHD, it might be worth talking to them about their experience too. Um, but there are lots of reasons 
you you might just have anxiety. You might just be forgetful because things are going on. So really looking for patterns, not just like everyone's talking about ADHD, so I must have it now. That's why I was so intentional about talking to other people, because I was like, am I just talking myself into this? <laughs> and they were like, oh, actually, we you do all this stuff, Taylor. Yeah, and, and that, that's a really good point um, to ask your the people around you, because we really can assign ourselves these diagnoses um just because like we've see it see it come a lot um come around a lot i um am on tiktok i follow i love tiktok and because i've i always stop and i scroll and i interact with the adhd um things of course i can like oh yeah that's definitely me too so you make really really good points um to just get like a real true global picture about what's been happening with you and it, that it's a pattern. Um, and also, of course, seek um, professional guidance for sure. Yeah. Um, like I said, I hyper-focused on ADHD, so I got really into doing assessments and stuff, and I brought that to professionals who could actually diagnose me, not just leaving with a self-diagnosis. Um, not that there's... I don't want to like fault people who don't have access to getting a full diagnosis, but it was helpful for me to have a professional be like, no, this makes sense. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, this was super helpful, a really rich conversation. Thank you so much for having me. This was such a fun conversation. Of course. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so I will put all of your information down below in the show notes. Um, so that way people can follow you, purchase your book and learn more about your work. Awesome. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thanks again for listening to this episode of the Be Well Sis podcast. For more information on anything discussed in this episode, please see the show notes and or visit www.bewellsispodcast.com. Oh, and don't forget to leave a five-star rating on Apple. Until next time, be well, sis.